You're listening to Beyond the Ordinary, a show about the companies, founders, and ideas that are shaping the future of health, science, and financial technology. Here's your host, Tommy Martin. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Beyond the Ordinary, where we get to talk with founders and investors about what they're up to these days. And today we have a very special guest. We have Heather Fortner with us. And I love it. When I asked Heather, how can I introduce you to our listeners? She said, you know, I'm not really into introductions. So I had to pull this out of her. (laughs) And what I got was, you know, she's a mom, a wife, just doing her job and living her best life, which happens to be her job as CEO (laughs) of Signature FD, which is one of the movers and shakers in the financial community. So they have just a tremendous firm headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and they are doing really incredible things in the wealth management space. So we are so thankful to have Heather with us today. Heather, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tommy. I'm glad to be here. So, Heather, one of the things we love to start with is we found most people, whether they're a founder, an investor, they're running a major wealth management firm, somewhere along the way, they had a big break that kind of helped propel their career, propel their business idea. Our listeners would love to hear what your big break was. That's a great question. I don't know that I actually had what I would consider a big break. I would consider my journey, a really incredible, not so intentional journey along the way. You know, I started as an intern in this business. I loved it. I graduated, started doing financial planning, just basic financial planning, got an opportunity early on at about two years in to actually go and help create a company. And that I think for me was, maybe you could call that my big break. Maybe you could call or very early on getting the opportunity to see what happens and what goes into creating a business from the ground up. It was incredible. It was so much fun. It was adventure packed. There was never a day that was the same. There were a myriad of problems, right, that you had to solve for. It was building the tech, building the systems, building the infrastructure, building the team. And that really, for me, it lit something up inside of me, which I just realized early on that I am not my best human self when I'm bored. And that type of environment really allowed me to thrive because it was constantly moving and it was moving at a pace that challenged you intellectually. It challenged me from a maturity perspective, quite honestly, because I was, you know, straight out of school, two years out of college. I was not the most mature human in the world. And you had to grow up quickly, right? You had to learn how to be a leader. You had to learn how to address really complex issues. You had to learn technologies and systems and frameworks that you didn't know before all of which I found incredibly energizing and not defeating. So I guess if you had to say I had a big break, I guess that would be it. And Heather, was that Signature FD? It was not. Okay. It was not, interestingly enough. So we got that company built in about two years in, you know, when things are actually like starting to run normally, I just realized that I was bored again and that I needed the pace I missed the pace of the startup type of environment, which is when I left and found Signature FD. And at Signature FD at that time, there were probably six or seven of us, and it was a thriving organization, high growth, 
multiple different lines of revenue. And at that point, there was an opportunity to just get in and do everything because they needed the help, right? Everyone was wearing many different hats, multiple different lines of revenue, tons of things to learn. And thankfully, you know, I was just able to say, just raise my hand and say, I'll do it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'll do it. And because of the regulatory constraints in our industry, and there were some new things coming out at that time, there was an opportunity to take a chief compliance officer role very early on in my career span with Signature FD, which was a new thing in our industry at the time that it afforded me not only the ability to learn something that I had no idea about, but also to have a seat at the table because the regulatory environment was one in which you had to build that into your business and you had to build the structure from the ground up to ensure that you were able to offer your clients the best service with the best protection. And so getting to sit at the table, getting the opportunity to build again from the ground up was, it was just amazing. It was wonderful. And that was really at the time period where the financial industry was kind of starting to make this big shift from the broker world. You know, it kind of grew out of stockbrokers and insurance agents where everybody's whole job is just to sell a stock or a product. And the industry was shifting over to this independent RIA channel where people were actually, you know, contractually working with their clients in a relationship where they had to do what was best for their client. It wasn't a product sales role. And so that's a massive shift that was happening. And your team at Signature FD was really kind of part of that leading trend in that movement. Is that accurate? Yeah. That's incredibly accurate. And it was a fantastic time to be building in the industry because truly at our core, and I think this is one of the very special things about Signature FD, and quite honestly, I do think this is one of the special things about registered investment advisors in general, is that most people, most professionals are drawn into this industry because of their innate desire to help people and to help people with integrity to be sure that whatever we are doing, whatever we are recommending, whatever type of advice or plan we are crafting alongside of our clients is in their best interest. And the fiduciary world and the registered investment advisor world has really allowed a very special place to be able to do that and to craft those types of plans for clients, which Really, quite honestly, when you go into registered investment advisory firms, I think you find some of the best talent because of that integrity and because of that fiduciary duty. Absolutely. You know, for our listeners, what Heather's talking about is this is inside of the industry. We know this inside and out, but outside of the industry, this is still like little known, unfortunately, but there are really two different types of advisors. I kind of call it two camps. There are advisors that their job is purely to seek out good products. And those are really brokers, but they're still allowed to call themselves advisors. That may change someday if Heather and I get our way, but (laughs) the broker's job, there's a place for it. Their job is to find the right product for an individual. 
An advisor's job is very different. And their job is to be out really finding an overall holistic solution. It may not even involve any products. And so in the broker camp, that is really through a broker dealer relationship. And the advisor is really through a registered investment advisor. So there's these two totally different camps in the industry, yet most consumers would never know the difference because they both are called a financial advisor when they're out marketing to the public. And, you know, one of your best ways to be able to check is just to find out, does your advisor work with a registered investment advisor or do they only work with a broker dealer? It's really important distinction. And again, there's a time and the place for each, but just don't confuse that your broker is supposed to be looking out for a holistic, great plan for you. Your broker's job is to sell product at the end of the day. So just don't confuse that consumer. So Heather, one of the one of the things you mentioned is that you get to interact with these people in the registered investment advisor channel that really have this strong desire to help people. And you actually have a master's degree in counseling. Some of our <laughs> listeners may find that kind of non-traditional, but I actually find a lot of that in the planning space. But tell us how you bridged from counseling over into wealth management. Yeah, it's actually incredibly non-traditional. So my dad, funny enough, my dad comes from a, fin- a finance background. I grew up you know, in the finance world. My mother actually was a nurse, so I grew up in the helping world. So when I got into school, you know, my dad, he's a funny dude, and he was like, hey, listen, I love you, and I want you to pursue the things that mean the most to you, but you got to pay your bills. Like, be sure that whatever you do, you know, you can pay your own bills because you're off the payroll at some point. (laughs) I was like, I hear you. I will be sure of that. Finance comes naturally for me, you know, math, numbers, ticking and tying, wanting things to be sure that they line up. It comes naturally to me, but there's always been this incredibly large portion of my life that was about helping others. And it was about leaning into making sure that others were well and holistically well. And so when I joined Signature FD, I knew I wanted to go back. My my undergrad is in finance. I knew I wanted to go back and get my master's degree. And what I saw at the time, and I, I give a lot of credit to the founders of our firm for leaning into this vision with me. But some of what I had experienced in my own life was that when there were issues around money in a family unit, things got hard. And if people were not skilled in having crucial conversations or very hard conversations, especially when it came to the issue of money, that it could very quickly tear a family apart. And I just wanted to be sure, you know, I'd been working in the industry for about four years at that point when I joined Signature FD. And I just felt like there was going to be this this way for me to make a difference and have an impact if I could cross that barrier, if I could bridge a gap between money and real issues with money, because whether you have it or whether you don't, there are issues around money, but there are also issues around being skilled in communication and understanding where you came from and the triggers that you have as it relates to money and the perspectives that you have and the beliefs that you have 
around money in general. And that if you were able to bridge those two things together in a very professional and skilled way, that you would be able to help people more holistically and in a better way. And potentially, I guess I was Pollyannish, Anna-ish at the time, but I really believed that that was how you helped families in general. And that, that potentially if you could influence families' abilities to have conversations, that you end up having generational impact because you're not only keeping family units together and healthy and well, but you're teaching children how to do that as well as they go out and have families of their own. So I just went and got my master's at night, you know, just continued to work full time during the day and got my master's in professional counseling at night. And I would tell you, I don't think I could have ever foreseen, but I think it has been probably the most beneficial point of my career that I've ever done. Well, absolutely. Now in a increased leadership role at Signature, as we know, the level of candor in that boardroom is one of the most critical things to the success of a business. And so I have to imagine that's been helpful in that respect as well. Being trained, professionally trained in navigating conflict in negotiations, in understanding the human and the whole human and what that human brings to the table, how to understand teams and organizations and systems and how individuals and everything that they are fit into that organization and that team. It has been completely instrumental in being able to not only create teams, but to develop teams and individuals along the way. So tell us about that jump that, you know, eventually you made from chief compliance officer to chief executive officer inside of Signature FD. How did that occur? Yeah, so that's probably like the most unheard of jump ever. So actually, while I was chief compliance officer, I was also carrying an operational role as well. So when I started at Signature FD, I literally came in as a client service associate. That transitioned into a director of operations, which then transitioned into a chief operating officer role, all the while carrying the chief compliance officer role as well. So the chief operating officer role translated into a president role, which eventually translated into the CEO role. So at the time that I made CEO, I had been chief compliance officer for 15 years and we had found and raised up a a wonderful replacement who can do that job better than I ever did anyway, which is one of my mantras, right? I don't ever want to be the smartest person in the room. I believe that in order to build the best teams, you surround yourself with people who are smarter than you are, who are better than you ever were in any role that you ever carried, because quite frankly, that is their unique ability. So she took over as chief compliant officer when I became CEO, which allows me to focus solely on the team and the business and the clients. Heather, one of the things you guys have chosen to do at Signature FD is to actually run on the entrepreneurial operating system, EOS. And actually, we have a prior episode where we have an EOS facilitator on, Justin Most, 
who kind of specializes in financial service and wealth management and venture capital firms in helping make sure that they're operating well on EOS. So we don't have to go deep into what EOS is, but I'd love to hear how that's actually playing out inside of Signature FD. Yeah, that's a great question. So we did start on EOS many years ago, and I think the concept behind EOS really any type of managerial type of framework is sound. And that's really what we have grounded ourselves to, which is there has to be a framework. There has to be a process. There has to be a grounding force that you run consistently through the organization. A football team does not get on the football field and not have plays, right? They're constantly calling plays. They've run those plays in practice a million times. The coaches know those plays backwards and forwards, and they know which plays to run at what point in time. A leadership team and organization has to have the same thing, whether it is how you lead the business or how you serve your clients. The consistency, the clarity, and I think Brene Brown, one of the things that she wrote about that literally is one of the mantras of my life is that clarity is kindness, right? When you are clear and you set clear expectations of what success looks like, I believe the majority of people will naturally hit that and go above and beyond. And so for us, the EOS framework, it was just a way for us to get a consistent framework within the business, a cadence, if you will, of how we looked at the business, how we focused on the business, how we executed on the business, but also thinking about not only inside of the business, but outside of the business as well. How are we doing this in our own personal lives? How are we helping our team as the, as we do coaching and professional development? You know, Are they on a consistent cadence? Because if you intend to grow, at some point you're going to get tired. And if you don't have the habit and the cadence and the framework to fall back into, you can derail quickly. And that that's just never an option for us. I love that. You know, it sounds like you've really deployed an operating system inside of the business. And, you know, it being in the venture capital space, we see that's one of the challenges of scale is, you know, how does this group of founders take this from an idea stage and actually build it into an actual operating system in the business that can allow that business to scale. So, And certainly, uh, scale has been in the mix at Signature FD. Tell us a little bit about the tremendous growth that you guys have experienced. Yeah, it's been crazy. And I guess sometimes when you're in the building mode, sometimes you can be building something amazing and forget to pick your head up and actually look at where you've gone. We always try to be very grateful and very humble about our growth. I think it is critical to being able to continue your growth moving forward because as soon as your head gets big, you know, you, you tend to forget where you came from. But I do think that the growth has momentum. And that is what I have seen over time is that we've been incredibly fortunate and incredibly blessed. And we have, I literally believe some of the most amazing people in our firm, our ability to harness that, that energy and that excellence and that greatness to keep it focused to keep the team moving in the same direction, focused on the same things, moving 
at the same pace, at the same speed. I give a lot of credit back to our core values. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday and I liken it to, so, you know, I am a professional counselor, right? So I think about, I I have a lot of analogies back to partnership or marriage or parenting or things like that, but I liken it to a marriage, which is when you're in conflict or when you're in periods of high growth or when you're in periods that just seem chaotic, if you don't have something at the core to continue to come back to that grounds both of you, that you you are both in agreement on, and at the end of the day, you're both making decisions from that same place, you will drift apart. And I think an organization is the same thing. We have periods of enormously high growth where we put our heads down and we build and we focus and we grow and you're feeling the strains of that growth, right? There's, do we staff? Do we not? Are we profitable? Are we not? Do we have the scale? Are we leveraging the technology? Are we doing everything that we can? Periods of COVID. I mean, two years coming up where it's like, what in the world are we dealing with? People are sick. Families are sick. There's enormous mental and emotional strain and trauma and fatigue, quite honestly, if you don't have those core values to come back to, the thing that you all align back to, the thing you all agree to, the thing that the leadership team is filtering every single decision that they're making for the firm, for the team, back to those core values, it's very easy to get lost. And I think that growth, it has a mind of its own, right? And there will be periods, especially in our industry with the markets and the constant chaos of, is it coming or is it going? Is it going up? Is it going down? What is it doing? Having those grounding core values of knowing these are the things we're committed to. And these are the things that no matter how tired we are, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter whether it is good, bad, hard, or easy, we are committed as a team. All 95 of us are committed to these six things. I believe that an organization can flounder quickly without those things. I love it. And one of the things that we find, Heather, is that most organizations have, you know, I'll say, quote, core values, but they're not actively real. And I still remember the very first financial company that I worked for. I still remember the six words that they made us memorize our first week in training. But if I look at how that company conducted itself, and I won't use names for good reasons here, they were not real. They were just... Everybody's going to go back and look at your bio now, by the way. Yes, right? (laughs) They were not real. They were just words on the wall. Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about how we actually make those real. So we hire based on those core values. So we actually use an industrial psychologist to help us think through who we're hiring before they even, you know, ever hit the doors. We reward on our core values. We celebrate our core values. We evaluate performance based on our core values. If we have to discipline, we discipline based on core values. Core firm communications always reference back to which core value we are exhibiting or talking about or discussing at the time literally decisions in the senior leadership team room 
does this decision fall in line? Does it resonate? Is it aligned to our core values? And if it violates one of our core values, we don't do it. And so literally every single way, every single moment along the way in the organization, whether it's related to our people, whether it's related to our space, whether it's related to how we make decisions, they all come back to those core values. And I think that when you live that, right, not only can people tell you what those six words are, but then they exhibit them over and over and over and over. And and when you're constantly talking about them and they mean something, one of the best things we've ever done is every year at the end of the year, we give away, we reward based on the six Gs. And we have a thousand dollar cash prize for the winner and the team votes. And, you know, it's, it's based on your overall performance over the entire year based on each one of the six G's. And then we have a six G winner, the person who most embodies every one of those core values during the year. And it's a $6,000 reimbursement for a vacation. It's, you know, the goal is not just to put cash in people's pockets, right? The goal is to actually lean into that person and say, go rest, take some time, go do something that you would never do because we are celebrating, you know, who you are and what you've done for this company. So it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic way to keep the organization grounded. I love it. I love it. One of the hardest lessons I've had to learn as a leader, Heather, is that, and this is not my own, learned it from a mentor, but the organization's culture can only be as good as the worst behavior that the leader tolerates. That's absolutely And uh, I've learned that the hard way. You know, I love that what you described is you're, you know, you're doing reviews based on these things. You're hiring based on these values to protect that culture. But then I love the next step. And you're also rewarding based on those things to encourage, you know, it's not just the stick. There's also the carrot to go with it. That's fantastic. That's absolutely right. It's a celebration, right? It is a celebration of these people who are leaning in and embodying all of that. So one of the things that we did as an organization to make those core values real is we actually sat down with somebody who specializes. All they do, this is a formal Naval Academy graduate, and all he does is helps coach companies through making their core values real. And so we'll do our best to get him on an upcoming episode here. For those of you saying, how can we go deploy what Heather is deploying? We'll try to make that tangible for you. And, you know, Heather, before we wrap up our time, I definitely want to know more about, you know, as, as I've gotten to know Signature FD, one of your core messages is that you guys care about people's net worth while, not just their net worth, their net worth while. Please tell our listeners what that means. Yeah, I think that is I actually love the term net worth while. And the reason I love that terminology, and let me tell you, how many years it took us to get to that terminology. It was it was very, very difficult to get there. And I'll tell you why. It's because as an advisor, one of the things that's critically important in being able to hone your craft and build the best solution for a client is that you have to come from a place of no judgment. It doesn't matter what you think personally. It doesn't matter, you know, what your biases are, what your triggers are. It's very similar to a counselor, right? A counselor's job is to be that neutral party and to help 
come alongside people and help them uncover their own needs and their own wants and their own triggers and their own desires and their own solutions, quite frankly. And so sometimes it can be really difficult to live in that neutral space, but with net worthwhile, it is so freeing to just be able to say, hey, Tommy, you're net worthwhile. I'm going to celebrate it. I have no idea what it is. It looks completely different than mine, but I sit without judgment because your money, Tommy, it is just a tool. It is a tool for you to be able to do the things in life that you want to do, that you're purposed to do, to take care of the people that you want to take care of, right? To go on those 17-person family vacations that you go on, which is crazy, right? Like I sit here and I'm like, that's crazy. I can't even imagine going on vacation with my in-laws and 17 other people. This is crazy, but you love it. And it means something to you and you're building something and you're building a family legacy there. Being able to lean into that with you and say, this matters to you. This is important to you. We need to figure out how to help you maximize that in your plan because that falls for you on the worth side of the house, right? It doesn't necessarily fall on the wealth side of the house, but the wealth side of the house is important to be able to achieve what you want to achieve on the worth side. And so the combination of those two, and you're going to have people that want to tell you about the worth side. And they're going to want to tell you about the worth side at different times, at different paces, at different depths. But everybody wants to talk about the wealth side. So that the key is to building excellence on the wealth side of what we do. We are the best advisors. We are the best professionals. We are the best technical specialists. But we are also the best at integrating the four pillars of your wealth, grow, protect, give, and live into what is necessary for you to feel like at the end of the day that you achieved everything that you wanted to achieve. That's net worthwhile. And we find that so exciting. Like I get so excited when I'm talking about it because it's individual to every human, which at my core right? I want to celebrate humans and I want to make an impact in the lives of a million people. And how we do that at Signature FD, our mission is to impact the lives of 10,000 families. And can you imagine what a better world we would have, right? If people leaned into, oh, we're going to impact the families, which is going to be millions of people. And at the end of the day, we build a better community, and a better world because of it. Amen to that. (laughs) Heather, thanks for sharing that because that's been my experience that at the end of the day, who cares if somebody has $10 million, $100 million, a billion dollars, if they have nobody to share it with. And so those pillars you talked about, just so essential. And I hope our investors that are out there listening are thinking about their wealth as a tool, not as an end-all outcome. You know, it's just what does that allow you to accomplish for your family, for the people that you care about, for the people that care about you and for our communities? That's right. So one of our core beliefs at Mammoth is that as someone's net worth increases, it's not 
if they are going to do private investing of some nature, it really becomes a when. And one of our core beliefs is that the advisor should be involved in that conversation. What we see without that, a lot of people end up coming to the table. It's because they heard about a great idea from, and it's always either their brother-in-law or their college buddy. (laughs) It's always, it's always a brother-in-law or a college buddy. I have yet to have somebody say, my sister-in-law told me I should do this. And by the way, these normally don't end well. So it might be a lot better if their sister-in-law said, hey, you should do this. Hey, Tommy, I can guarantee it would probably be better. (laughs) I appreciate that. So one of our core beliefs is that the advisor should be part of that conversation with their clients. What I appreciate with Signature FD is you guys have actually been proactive. Most advisory firms that we encounter, they're more reactive as it relates to these private investments. I've seen Signature has actually been more proactive about it. So tell our listeners some of the things you're doing at Signature FD to make this private investment space kind of more manageable. Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I do agree with you that as people become more sophisticated with their wealth and typically as their wealth grows, private investing becomes part of the conversation as it should be, right? And there are opportunities in the private investing space that are not available in the retail market. Heather, I was kind of shocked to learn that at this day and age, so we're sitting here in September, 2021, 90% of large U.S. businesses are now privately owned. And, you know, when Heather and I came into this industry a couple decades ago, which is crazy to me to say. Crazy to say. Right. (laughs) It was really only about 50% of large U.S. companies were privately held. So now we're at 90%. And so that is part of why this conversation has changed. And we've seen this 26% year over year growth rate of private investments being managed over the last two decades. This is like 26% per year for a two decade streak. It's now $10 trillion of assets under management in the private market. And so... Sorry to interrupt, but what are those things that Signature has been doing to be proactive in that space? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So very early on, we believed that there were ways to help average normal investors who couldn't necessarily meet minimums of, of private investments to access the best ideas. And so we've always been committed since I joined the firm, quite frankly, to ensuring that there was not only a way, but that there was a well-vetted, safe way for investors to access the private markets in ways that made sense for them, that were safe, that were well-vetted, that ran through an extensive due diligence process from the investment side of the business. So it's always been a core part of our business, a core focus of our business. I do think that ensuring that your advisor is part of that conversation is important. But I also think that understanding the framework of how your advisor is helping you evaluate those opportunities is incredibly important. So for us, it has always been, again, back to you know one of our core operating mechanisms, there's always been a process, right? There's always been a way of evaluating those investment opportunities that 
adhered to the highest fiduciary standard, that did and completed a necessary and quite honestly, not only necessary, but above and beyond evaluation of those opportunities and was able to give recommendations back to advisors based on this well thought out framework. Because what you don't want is a a biased advisor, right? And what you don't want is someone who's unskilled in truly being able to evaluate those opportunities appropriately, giving you advice. If you bring someone unskilled to the table, that doesn't do you a whole lot of a whole lot more good than, quite frankly, having your brother-in-law or your college buddy uh, tell you about the opportunity. So I do think it's important. I think that, you know, it's always been a part of our process. It will always continue to be a part of our process. And I will also say that having access to larger investors and being able to learn from them, from some of the best in the industry is something that we've also been able to do and leverage and build those relationships over time. So getting the best thoughts, getting the best ideas, understanding the markets well enough, but also having that consistent framework through which you are evaluating those opportunities is incredibly important. And I'll be quite frank, I don't believe that every advisor has those capabilities. And so I do think it's important for clients to vet their advisors appropriately if they do you know, get to a place where that is a, a part of the conversation. Absolutely. Well, Heather, I'm excited. We get to go into my favorite part of the show where I get to ask you two questions. Okay. So the first is the question that everybody's wanting to know. And really what that is, is the question that I want to know. And the second is (laughs) the question that everybody really actually wants to know. So my first question for you, for those that actually saw your promo video, there is a picture behind you. (laughs) And I would... The feet or or that one? Uh, are you willing to share with our audience yes. what, uh, so yes. they won't see it? Yeah. Yeah. Let me read it. Let me read it to you. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord, your God will be with you wherever you go. And that is just my everyday reminder to myself. I, I have it behind me because when I walk into my office, it's literally the first thing that I see. And it's my reminder that no matter how big the day seems or how hard the issues seem that I have been placed in a role at this point in my life, this season in my life, to do my personal mission statement, which is to love and lead well. And that no matter how hard or overwhelming or daunting it may be in that day that that I must stand in that mission statement and that I cannot stand in fear, that fear is just not a place that you lead well from. So that's my reminder of myself. That's so good. So good. And Heather, our real question that everybody's wanting to know, I have to believe that uh, from our listeners out there that somebody today really connected with this concept of, you know, I've worked hard, I've built up a lot of wealth, but this concept of net worthwhile and this concept of being more deeply connected and having a more integrated state with their wealth is resonating. 
And if some of our listeners are feeling that way, that they'd like to take that kind of uh, overall planning to the next level, how can they reach out to Signature FD? Yeah, you can go to our website, www.signaturefd.com. There is a contact us page where you can give us some more information. One of the things that I love about our website, if you if you spend some time looking around, is that we have these beautiful communities that we have created for people who are like-minded. So we have teams that are specifically able to serve entrepreneurs. We have teams that are specifically able to serve corporate executives, women, professional athletes. We have really found, and this has been one of the most beautiful evolutions of our firm over time, is technicians and professionals who are passionate about serving a very specific niche of people. And so with that expertise on our website, you can dig into some of that expertise and see the teams there. There is an opportunity for you to say, I don't really know where I fit, but I know that this net worthwhile thing resonates with me and I want to be connected to the pieces of my wealth and I want them to be working intentionally for me. Or you can raise your hand and say, I know exactly where I fit. I'm an entrepreneur. I want to be treated like an entrepreneur. I want someone who understands who I am at my core because I'm an entrepreneur. But I also want to lean in and be sure that every aspect of my financial world is not only connected to me and I understand it, but that it is integrated together and working for the greater good of what I determine my personal net worthwhile to be. Either one, website, contact form, it will come, I will see it, and we will get you to the right place. Excellent, Heather. Well, be sure to check out www.signaturefd.com. And thanks so much for joining us today on Beyond the Ordinary. Thank you, Tommy. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Ordinary. This podcast is brought to you by Mammoth and produced by Reverb. If you like this show, consider sharing it with a friend. You can subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about Mammoth and Beyond the Ordinary, visit us at mammoth.vc.